people want to believe. Change is constant, coming from anywhere and everywhere. We find ourselves pondering unseen, eternal realities, awakening our capacity to believe. This is No God. All right, so uh, where are we today? We are in... Um, we are in, what does my phone we? say? Are we in Massachusetts? No. We, Michigan. Where, Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan is probably specific <laughs> enough, but oh. from yesterday it tells me we are in the Pickney Recreation Area. We are near Bruin Lake. Bruin Lake. Mm-hmm. In Michigan today. Mm-hmm. For Thanksgiving. So this is our first ever on location podcast. It is, I isn't guess. it? So yes. do we say what the name of the house is that we're in? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they call this house? What do they call this house? Hell House. Oh, you know, I thought for actually I knew that, but I thought they were saying Hill House for oh. a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Apparently, the people that owned this house before them last name was Hell. Mm-hmm. That's what they say anyway. Yes. Anyway, but you are listening to the No God Podcast. I am here near Bruin Lake with my mom and dad, Tony and Sandy. I did that opposite. My mom is not Tony. My mom is Sandy. Okay. You're very yes, observant. Very and it is observant. early in the morning. It is. Our, up. our first podcast recorded it, yeah. on location. Yeah, after a late night early in the morning. Yeah, oh, late night. And Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving day of too much sure. food, sugar, I don't, caffeine. I, I beg to differ. I think it was just right. <laughs> Tony always thinks. It's just right. We made it an excellent apple pie. We did. It was a and group effort. Really it was group effort. really liked it. Yep. Yep. It's probably all gone. With, with local apples. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. We In Michigan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is Michigan famous for apples? Yeah. Well, they got a lot of trees. <laughs> <laughs> Not all trees grow up. Anyway, what do we have for today? <laughs> Well, today we are following up on our uh, episode about one life can make a difference in the relationship to just being part of a local body of believers, a church. Right. And so there are a lot of obstacles. And, and actually, it's, it's a bit with uh, trepidation that I've approached this because it is, uh, we want to talk about deep dive. We want to deep dive into denominations. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's there's probably whole libraries of books written on denominations, and it's like, um, but it is it's a critical piece because when a person says, you know what, I think I'm going to give church a try, or I'm going to give church a try again, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of things that are in the background of that choice that lots of times uh, we want to either ignore that they're factors, or that we're unaware that they're factors. In like even approaching church, and I, you know, I th- I think about just economy of uh, how we use our time and how we put our effort out there. And I think about the fact that I it's it's the rare person or family that's going to try like twenty churches before they decide oh, yeah. what's going to be a match, or even like three churches. Right. right. Some will try two. That's not totally unusual. Many hope that. Well, we finally came down to a decision. We're going to try this one. 
And sometimes it's a, we engage with it, or it's like, oh, okay, that, that's a dumb idea. We're not going to do that again, <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm sympathetic to that, and actually a little even more sympathetic, more aware of the challenge that there is, um, because we want to think that uh, a lot of things don't matter right. until we actually begin to invest in relationships in a new body of believers, and then we go, oh, really? This is a thing? Um, or even just sometimes uh, the practice of the church is difficult to um, mesh with personally. Uh, but we're going to try to focus mainly just on what, what the label that the church has or, or the label that's in the background on the church because it's a current thing in America that we don't name churches to indicate what kind of church right. it is. We indicate it by location or Stealthy by vision, denominations. you know, journey and and these kinds of the you know that, that's the first one came to my mind. More of the like the the vision of what right. we're trying to do, um, and so those things sometimes don't help at all. And so I just thought, well, you know, it's time to do a deep dive denominations, and I I will espouse uh, views or at least you know propose views that maybe I even personally don't agree with, but that's really not the factor. What I want, what we want to do here right. is to provide a resource okay. for faith. Let's jump in then. All right, so um, just randomly around the table, here's my oh, first no. question. Uh, what would you say your, your personal experience is in the number of different kinds of churches that you've ever attended some type of service in, whether it's a funeral, a wedding, Oh my or, or just, you know, participating in a worship service, like, you know, five, ten different kinds. Oh, you want a number? Yeah, I want a number. Oh, not very many. Well, if you think um, about weddings and funerals, um, I know I've been to a Catholic funeral. Um, I've been to a Greek Orthodox service. Uh, and we're just talking about Christian because I've also been to a... a uh, uh, a, a very traditional Jewish service. That's that's oh, fine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been to a very traditional Islamic service and Hindu service as well. In my religions, the world class. Okay. Yeah, we are very more versed than we yeah. are. I think. Let I me can't. see what else. But then, like you know, I've Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, been to all those. Right. Yep. Non-instrumental. Yep. Christian. Mm-hmm. Been to that. Um, flag waving. Charismatic. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And old time, like, you know, the, well, I'm going to say the original. In America, 100 years ago, uh, the Assembly of God denomination came out of a uh, charismatic type um, movement. Yeah. And the truth is the American frontier in the early 1800s uh, on the west side of the Appalachian Mountains uh, was a time when a lot of new movements that some of them eventually became denominations mm-hmm. grew out of and so you know you have all the way from like anglican experience or in america as they're called episcopal right right and then you have methodists and there there are renditions of the methodist or, or outgrowths of the methodist the nazarene church is a movement that came out of methodism i did not know that um and then you have uh, the holiness churches which is again more toward uh, similar parallel to Methodist, and the Methodist was a um, re- reform movement coming out of the Anglican Church of England. It started in England, the Wesleys, okay. 
And so then you not only do you have Methodists that came from the Wesleys, but you actually have the Wesleyan Church in America that is a movement that came out of Methodistism. Oh, I've been to a vineyard church. Vineyard, and that's a charismatic church. And, you know, I know that if someone's listening, they go, that's not exactly the right label. That's okay. We are sticking to broad descriptions. Uh, and, 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 I, and it is funny because people will get really defensive um, if they're really loyal to a certain um, denomination, mm-hmm. they'll get very defensive about someone describing it inaccurately. Right. And that, I understand that because I'm very much versed in the church that I pastored in, pastored the churches I pastored in, and I know them in and out, but I also know enough about them to know that even under the banner of Christian church, mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount of variety, nuances. And I think that just to kind of start this off, this deep dive denominations is... There are people who are still loyal to a denomination and all or you know 90% of its nuances. And then there are people who are just go, oh, doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the, I don't think that either way is necessarily bad. Um, but we just need to be aware, self-aware of where we are on that. Okay. So again, one of our goals is to help people to be able to make a little more informed decision and to be forewarned. Uh, to just know that if you're really going to do, uh, try to discover a church that matches for you, that's going to be a bit of work. It's going to take some time um, to do that. And I don't say that to discourage it. I just say that we're hoping to create some pathways of understanding that will help you make better decisions about that. All right. So I thought about this podcast. Uh, do we Do we talk about it from the terms of doctrinal positions or do we talk about it from terms of a historical progression and there are different ways to do this i think we're going to stick to more topical issues that then are variants and okay and so in doing that choice we can't trace the historical lineage of every view but there are those that's there's that whole approach to do as well so when i want to, when i talk about denominational deep dive factors that that influence people's being able to settle into a fellowship. Okay. I think that we have to start at the obvious, which is God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that one of the key things answering a lot of questions is the, the concept that is presented by the writer of Hebrews, which, by the way, did you hear about the, uh, the big controversy in Jeopardy about an answer? No. Uh, on Bible. And this is relevant what to did you our. Hear about it? I read read about it. it. It's been fairly recent, you know. So okay. we're in the month of November, twenty twenty two, and so on Jeopardy, there was category Bible, and then the question or the answer was, um, get 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 the answer correct here. The answer, <laughs> as it was portrayed in there, the answer was um, the book written by the Apostle Paul with the most Old Testament quotations. Okay. It created a huge controversy, not in the show itself, but afterwards. And I understand it. What was the answer they gave? Well, the answer that was, well, they the missed question. it. Everybody the, missed the question. It. Everybody missed it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So one person was actually right, but they were not right according to the show. Ooh. What is the Book of Romans? That's okay. the correct answer. Okay. But the answer that the show had was, what is the book of Hebrews? To the Hebrews. 
Well, the problem is that the book of Hebrews does not identify who actually wrote it. Yeah. And so it was a scholarly opinion that said that the Apostle Paul had written the book of Hebrews and that it had the most Old Testament quotes in it. So anyway, it's a thing. There we so go. You can tell me later how. But I, I must uh, admit that as soon that. as I began to read the article, I thought, oh, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I was going to just say one of the key passages about God is in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it was written by Paul. In fact, I think we've had a discussion yes, about that have. in this show um, sometime in the past. But in it, Hebrews eleven six says, those who would come to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards is the typical uh, tr- English translation. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. And rewards is implies, in my mind, it is that he interacts with okay. that God. And we're using the masculine pronoun, which is favored in most translations. But God then can interact with. So this is, this means this is a a God of personality, a God of being that can interact with human beings that have been created by him. And for that matter, all created matter, God can interact with and can move around and can uh, reward, as it says in that passage. And so I think that any any discussion about a church is, (laughs) do they believe there's a God Okay, yeah, that would be a big. If it not, then in in a historic and orthodox definition, they would not be a Christian church. But I think that you would find churches that would ne- not necessarily believe in God in the orthodox sense. Right, right, right. But there you go. You start. So I think that there are some passages that can kind of like nail it down. And I guess I would say for myself, it does nail it down. And I don't know because you got you guys never get a heads up a lot about some of these details never never and we do that on purpose (laughs) Um, because we like the give and take in our conversations but as we're talking here I'm just curious if anything jumps into your mind of not you don't even have to be able to quote it Mm -hmm. but just is there a biblical concept that's that you could just go though that's that's like a that's like a key touchstone for me if I were choosing a church well, um, I am not prepared for this one, so I will have no. to think for a moment. That's okay. <laughs> and I can continue this conversation while you're thinking because yep. we're gonna because we're gonna roll to the next. So we have so God exists, and so then you have to settle about okay. So what has God done in creation? Okay. God is the creator, and so all the source of all things, all life. Right. Okay. And that's a big deal because you can actually turn that totally around and in the current um, scientific culture of the Western world and of America, then we'll kind of stick to America even though it might be broader than that, is that there is a concept that matter is actually eternal. Right. And that Mm -hmm. spirit has, for lack of a better word, evolved out of the progression of matter. Right, okay, yeah. Where matter... You know, the evolutionary viewpoint that matter then evolved into living organisms and then eventually to sentient organisms like human beings, aware people. That's beyond you, Mom. And <laughs> then that spirit actually then is like another step in the evolution of human beings. So I would just say there are churches that could potentially teach that. Again, it would be rare in America. 
But when we think about God, sometimes it's not enough to just say, well, there's a God. Because right. there could be that the God is not the orthodox view of God. And so again, I kind of, uh, I'm kind of working out at the peripheral, mm-hmm. of, at least in my experience, peripheral, less, less numbers. But again, it's an important thing. And people go, well, of course. And that's, I, I think that the point I want to make sure on the side here is people make a lot of assumptions right. when they visit a church. Yeah. Right. But you could be completely off. You could be completely off. And maybe not about God and the nature of God. Well, at least the existence of God. But maybe in something else. Because we move from God. And so mm-hmm. then we come to, again, the more prevailing view in Christianity historically is the trinity okay father son and holy spirit then you you begin to move into more areas that there's going to be more divergence amongst church groups right how that is defined in fact there is a nuance of difference between classic western christianity and orthodox eastern christianity we, we call it, in America, we call it the Orthodox Church. And again, when even you hear worldwide news reports, you're going to have the Orthodox Church. That is the prevailing church of uh, Russia, uh, Ukraine, Greece. And in fact, in, in a lot of circles, it's popular in America. It's, it's called the Greek Orthodox Church. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't there also Russian Orthodox Church? There's Russian Orthodox. And the Ruth- Russian Orthodox Church, again, we're 2022, November in Ukraine right now, there's a big hubbub going on about the monasteries being searched okay. during this war uh, between those two countries. And the connection that the monasteries in Ukraine are basically Russian Orthodox monasteries. There's not a separate Ukraine Orthodox okay. church. So again, just when you're reading the news, you go, well, whatever, you know, what's the big deal here? But, um, and, and I'm not saying that when you're choosing a church, but I'm saying that if you, if you choose Orthodox, you're not just simply going, well, historically, this is the Eastern Europe and Asia, Western Asia church, dominant church, and it split in the um, 11th century between what we now know as the Roman Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church. It's not just simply a political division of, well, they just didn't, you know, the patriarch of the Greek church didn't want to be submitting to the, the bishop of Rome, which is known as the Pope, and there's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's a deep dive, Mom. It, it, is, it is a, a deep, deep dive. dive and it is I'm a deep dive. lost under the water. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that because that is one of the big divides right. in denominations. And in America, we definitely are dominated by the Western Church, that is the Roman Church, and all of its renditions that came out of it. Okay. Not, that's not an absolute, but that is generally the big picture for us in the Western Hemisphere. Okay. Yeah. So, again, Greek Orthodox is going to be very Orthodox on the view of God. It's going to be less in agreement on the view of Jesus as the Son of God. Because there was a huge uh, theological debate between the Western Church and the Eastern Church for hundreds of years before the actual division in the 11th century. And a lot of it centered on the nature of Christ. And if I began to explain the details of that... Mom would fall asleep? Well, not only that, you'd just be going, what is the big deal here? (laughs) 
But you know what? To be fair, then, let's move in as we talk more about churches that are uh, more well-known and more more plentiful in America, mm-hmm. North America. Sometimes when we go into the deep dive about the nuances of difference between churches, you go, what? And I think that a lot of people, when they're looking for a church, they go, ah, that doesn't matter. But I'm saying, well, you need to really ask yourself, does it actually matter mm-hmm. to your view about things? So basically you're working from center out, and right. center is God, then the Trinity is a big deal. You have to decide, and there are there are non-Trinitarian Christian churches, right? Using Christian as a generic form of any potential church, and some, and in fact, the churches that I uh, was part of have been a part of for all of my ministry years. The Christian, the independent Christian churches, um, which also are the the disciples of of Christ Christian churches and the non-instrumental or acapella Christian church or churches of Christ, they all come from the same viewpoint where there was a, a looseness to how it was held about how Jesus was defined as the son of God. And some were less comfortable with saying that he actually was God in essence. And there were some that was absolute, no, it had to be that. And so again, even in a, a movement that's considered pretty orthodox, there was this this uh, potential for a strata on these views. And uh, again, you can just go, what does it matter? But what does it matter when you're sitting in a home Bible study mm-hmm. and someone has a view about Jesus, you go, what? That's not even close to what's right. And then that's when people, that's when people go, I think we picked the wrong church. <laughs> and that is a, that is a horrible and I'm, I'm not saying we, that our podcast is going to keep you from doing that ever. Right, right. I'm just saying that that gives you reason to really understand what are the views of the leadership of that church. Because it doesn't really matter what a certain group leader might teach or something. I mean, as far as if they're not in the leadership, right. then that's a variant view within that congregation. But, if, but and, and I, you know, I have, I feel that those questions, all of my 40 some years of of active located ministry and it and sometimes a church leader can get kind of annoyed like what are you doing this is like hair splitting here but i have to respect anybody's view about a certain aspect and the more core it is god the son of god trinity then it becomes more essential right the further that we go out from that core then i think that many people are more comfortable with a variance of views. I think that reminds me of one of our first podcasts you did. Maybe like even number two or something. You should link it in the the description or something Mm -hmm. of just kind of um, how you kind of build your faith of this is the core and these are the things you hold less strongly as you move out. Right. I, I can't remember what the name of that one was, but we will. We will find that. Yes. We can put it in the description. But that would be a good starting point if you're kind of lost in this podcast a bit. Listen to that one, then come back to this one, and I think it will make a little more sense. Yeah, right. So then from God, we move to God's revelation. That is the what has become the written scriptures. And again, for Christians, again, we have a podcast kind of that alludes to this a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is, as Christians, really need to start in the New Testament, work to the Old Testament, Yep. A lot of people that disagree with that view. I mean, a lot of very significant people that I, that that a whole lot more people that pay attention to them than who pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
I've always, I have, in a practical day-by-day sense, I've found so many people that struggle with figuring out how to get connected and figuring out a church to trust when they are really deep diving into the Old Testament or some aspect of the Old Testament as a core issue for them when they really should be working from New Testament to Old Testament. Again, reminding people in America that for the most part, you're not Jewish. I mean, there's millions and millions of Jewish people in America. Mm-hmm. And that's a, there's, it. depends on the exposure that that person has to Old Testament. They're going to work from Old Testament to New Testament. But for people who are not Jews, in fact, I have, I mean, I'm very passionate about this. The apostles did not start with converting them into Old Testament scholars or the Law of right, Moses right. scholars and then move them to, then now you can become a Christian. It was, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, your Redeemer and Savior, and there was a few different words that was used. And then you're going to get, you're going to fill in a lot of detail from the Old Testament. But to start in the Old Testament, oftentimes a person can get really sidetracked and right. bogged down. So from God to God's revelation, the Bible. So what's the view about the Bible in that church? Right. All the way from it's more of a human document to it is explicitly, and again, this is a rare, so a human document is a rare view amongst most churches. So also is on the far side of that view is that it is explicitly dictated by the Holy Spirit into the ear of the prophet or apostle that wrote it. And that word right. for word, it is precisely not the choice of the prophet or apostle that wrote it. So is it a human work or is it a completely divine work? Right. Or is it, is it an interaction of divine right. and human? Okay. And that makes sense. That's easy that, to wrap my mind around. And that's a view that is going to impact um, interpretation, Right. actually. Yeah. Well, because I've even, in my church experience, had churches that will openly talk about how English translations could have errors that don't match up with older translations and other ones that would say, Every translation is a complete divine translation. Right. Well, that's that's almost a whole other issue. True. Uh, well, at least, uh, yeah. But it, it's related. It is definitely related. Um, because not also, on a sidebar on this, and again, this is a detail that people are... What's your view about how accurately the New Testament writings in Greek were copied from century to century? Right. But that does become an important question to answer when people's uh, when people start growing and I I don't see any way around it because for most people again I say most I'm just, just yep. generalizing the thought doesn't even cross their mind until they get well into it mm-hmm. and maybe this podcast will cause a person to say oh, okay hadn't really thought about that that's kind of a deal for me so ask mm-hmm. kind of thing I will say that my opinion and my experience is that the more that a person leans toward or in, embraces that every word is divinely given in more of a dictation style, right. the less uh, the less uh, gra- uh, 
Grace? A disagreement can be uh, allowed. Right, yeah. The less disagreement that can be allowed on a view. Right, because if you take out human error possibilities. Or even human personality. Right, yeah. And then cultural context. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so the view that uh, that every word applies explicitly in exactly the same way through all ages mm-hmm. is one that's tough to to follow through because there are some very culturally explicit teachings that would be unusual but that that does kind of preview another aspect and that is the and I'm kind of jumping way ahead but that's okay for now because it maybe crosses someone else's mind that also then moves into that area of church denominations and movements that are focused on purifying refining the church back to its first right and so that would include then even if it's a cultural for example women's heads must be covered first corinthians 11 that is an explicit non-cultural thing that must be done or that women don't cut their hair right okay that's another one and that is again in America and other and even Europe I know historically there still are movements that have that as a view so and again I'm not disrespecting I'm just saying this is where it comes from and so that's going to keep, so let, let me keep going because I feel like that I, I don't want to make this podcast yeah, too yeah. long so to kind of back away from these kind of tight looks at some of these points and kind of pull back again to the big picture um, as we think about God creating the Holy Spirit, the, the Son of God being the one that is essential in our relationship to Christianity, to being in God, and the revelation of it, which we call the Bible or the scriptures. Then we, uh, and we talk about origins, how that, who created, well, God created. Then we move to, you have to deal with human nature and the view about human nature. Are humans inherently good and they're only led astray? Or are human beings broken because of Genesis 3, which says that Adam and Eve sinned, and therefore there is this brokenness in the human race, and that that impacts the view about human beings and what it is that is supposed to happen as God, Hebrews eleven six, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, what is the reward? Well, I think the, the reward is, um, as it said in the last 150 years in uh, evangelical evangelism, it is you are born again. And they use the phrase out of John chapter 3, when Jesus said you must be born again. And so then that has been popularized, first by uh, Dwight Moody, then by Billy Sunday, then Billy Graham carried it on. It's still the phraseology today for the, for, in many places. And that is you must have a personal relationship with Jesus to be saved. Okay. The thing is, if you want to be very strict about it, the New Testament does not use the phrase personal, personal relationship. relationship. That is an inferred phraseology that maybe adequately explains it, but that leads us to, in relationship to human nature, can human beings actually respond to God, or do human beings need God to do something in them for them to be able to respond to him? That's determinism, popularly called Calvinism. Calvinism. Ah, so whether... Is it your choice to come to God, or does God have to move to you to have that option? Well, not only move to you, but to move within you. Okay, okay. That's a big deal. And it's a confusing one. It is confusing. 
Uh, we have never done a full podcast on determinism versus free will. Yeah. But it is a deal. And in the this is, might be a good time to plug. If there's a specific issue that's always confused you about different churches, whether that be this Calvinism, predeterminism, free will, ism, isms, yes, um, you can email us or. Um, I guess if you happen to be in the neighborhood, put up, drop by mom and dad's house unannounced. No, no don't do that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to get a reaction no, out yeah. of mom. Never come unannounced. Uh, but yeah, just drop us a line. Let us know, uh, like, what is this? And we might be able to touch on that in the later right. episode. In fact, that, that'd be wonderful. And you can find No God, uh, mm-hmm. Tony Kafka, on Facebook. But you can also just email nogod at tonykafka.com and you can send those yep. questions in. So, yes, and that's, and again, this is a big deal. And in fact, in America, I would say this moves into an arena that is pretty big deal. Yeah, and people get fired up. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of leaving and changing Le- churches and Yeah, well, because there's a lot of... and everything. Um, like, accusing of, well, you must never have actually been a Christian because God didn't choose you right <clears throat> yeah and you don't have to be even on that side of it there there is often and and think about this this happens in church life church culture where for some reason we begin to convolute people's motives and convolute even biblical phraseology to match up to our nuance on these views mm-hmm. and it really gets i mean if we just kind of step back and look at it objectively it's a little goofy, and especially for those that are less informed or or are maybe considering, um, is there a God who rewards those who earnestly seek Him? You know, and we get caught up in these nuances. It's just really disconcerting. It, mm-hmm. It's very upsetting, uh, and I don't say that's not a reason to address it. It's just saying that this is this is a territory then that becomes a big, broad. <laughs> is it fair to say battlefield? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. Point of contention. Point of contention. Um, the yeah. It can cause awkward Thanksgivings. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah, often <laughs> when people come to this view, yep, uh, determinism versus free will, that is not usually. People are pretty entrenched in their views. Yep. On that. All right, so jumping back to you asked us like a specific thing maybe we look for mm-hmm. um, when looking at churches. So this might be opposite of that, but something I look to avoid is if I end up somewhere and there seems to be any shade of Christian nationalism to it. Right. Because for me, if once you start blending politics and faith, it endangers faith of becoming influenced by your like whatever politics happen to be popular mm-hmm. yeah power and yep. money mm-hmm. which money is power in that in that yep. arena um, yeah and that again uh, there's a very divergent practice in America across denominational lines mm-hmm. about how much politics all the way from what would be called liberal, politics to conservative and the churches that will um, talk about it and it is tr- I mean there is the there is the fact that 
every issue that is a political issue is also an issue that matters to believers, to Christians and anybody, not just Christians. And so it's appropriate to discuss principles in a church setting. Right. Um, and churches are going to decide how they do that. But And there are campaign laws in America that are not all apply, not all followed the same way in every region of the country um, or even in, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but you're right. There's there's that part of it. And so it, it kind of gets nailed in. Yeah, the typical thing in America, holidays, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas gatherings of people. And it is, it can become very contentious. And that's not a reason to not discuss it. But that takes us back more to our podcast on tolerance and such where we listen, we try to understand, we respect um, that part, but there—that's I don't—that's not a domain of any one denomination. Um, it it varies sometimes to the passion of the leadership of the local church mm-hmm. and to the pastor or pastors that may be leading that church. Because um, yeah, there's yeah yeah there's lots of views that are espoused even at the denominational level that all all the denomination all the churches in that denomination must. This is the only teaching that we have on this issue. Right. And that, you know, so there it is. And the thing is that then if you just go down to the congregational level, that is a church that is non, non-denominational, which is only means that there's not a hierarchy of structure above the congregation. Yes. It is sort of a denomination. There's just no uh, yeah. bishop or right. regional head. <laughs> no regional head. Uh, and then that becomes the, the question that a person is going to want to have an awareness of pretty early on yeah um and that's that's one of those things that doesn't get discussed a lot yeah because that that doesn't fall into any of like the i'm making hand gestures that you cannot see any of the circles you've talked about so far but right how you the leadership structure of the church is formed is very important to how the church works Mm mm-hmm because and some people might not even know that that some denominations do have this whole hierarchy where your local pastor is under someone who's under someone who's under someone right or you might just have a church where there is no oversight at all and it's just that church right there right nothing above the local congregation correct and again america has a very long tradition of congregationalism yeah uh, basically the term that's used not as a congr- not as a denominational label but as a style of church. Yeah, because I, I do remember in college um, having a German friend that was just absolutely baffled that that was allowed. Right. When she f- was first into this country, she's like, ooh, that seems dangerous. <laughs> 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 and that's what I grew up in, so I was like, I can't think of any other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so to kind of k- come back to where we're progressing through this conversation, so... Yep. The reward is that God, that a person can be born again by the power of God. Mm-hmm. They respond, whether by God's influence strictly or by human will, that becomes an issue. But then that addresses those issues of what does it mean? What does sin mean? Mm-hmm. What sin as a missing the mark or rebellion against God? What is What does it mean to be saved? Mm-hmm. What is that? What are we saved from? What does that mean? Or redemption and ransom and some of these theological terms that come in there. And then also it begs the question, which doesn't get talked a lot about in contemporary Christianity in America, and that is the concept of retribution and judgment. 
Okay. Because that all falls in that category of, well, if there's this divergence from God called sin, then the, what's the consequence? Okay. And so that, and so because there's, in, a, in Orthodox Christianity, if Jesus dies on a cross for the sins of the world, mm-hmm. what does that matter? Well, it matters in the sense of an eternal um, accounting of the rebellion against God. Is there a punishment or is there not? Okay. Yeah. Because that, again, is a big theological divide, and there are, there are denominations that are more on the side of that Jesus' death is an, a demonstration of love, and it is not per se a judicial redemption Okay. from sin yep. it is that this is an influence to to move people in their hearts to love god okay yeah but there was no barrier legally mm-hmm. spiritual slash legally there's no reason for that okay. that comes back to the nature of god it comes back to the issue of what the human race is like so those are and people go what well, i i don't even and i many people are gonna feel like i'm not equipped to do that Again, maybe it's issues that we could address in future podcasts because mm-hmm. uh, they do matter. Yeah, because they sometimes they seem like small differences, but it does. I'm I'm having trouble coming up with the words, but it's the intentions behind something changes what it means. Yes, uh, and the the view of the consequences or the outcomes. Yeah two different paths of outcome um, is a big deal. It goes to the heart of interpreting John fourteen six about Jesus, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Well, that feeds into the conversation about what does his death on the cross mean? Mm-hmm. What does his reported resurrection mean? Those are all big issues that influence all these smaller issues. Which then leads us to the the sidebar that has become ma- it's like a growth on the church in his, in America. If we're talking about the the end, the culmination of things, what does it matter that Jesus died on the cross? We move into this whole realm of end times and apocalypse right. conversations, which I would say is a vital consideration, but it is way overexposed in my opinion, in the life of a church. But it becomes its own litmus test for whether or not you're going to fit into that church. Right, right. Right. But the truth is, if we've got the basic concept, well, God is the one that's in charge, and and many people will say this, if they get like baffled by all this disagreement about end times, they'll just say, well, if God's in charge, then I just need to be with him. He'll take care of the details. I don't need to know the details. That's where... There's a lot of divergence. Is that an okay attitude to have? Well, um, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Right. I mean, what I'm trying to point out is it is not, it should not have the size of attention right. that it receives. There's bigger issues in this conversation about what church I choose, but. There are churches yeah. that have made that such a big issue that if you're not on board with the view of that church... So if you're looking at the issues as an onion, it is further to the outside, not to the inside of the onion. Right. But it, but, but it must be accepted. Mm-hmm. And any of these issues that we're going through, 
um, all of us have a filter that says, well, this is an essential. This is absolute. Right. So we, we're coming through that. Um, again, in this whole thing about re God rewards, then it comes to the role of grace. That is, God has removed any negative or penalty of your life versus you must work your way out of that penalty or consequences of that well, life. Okay, yeah. That's called the law grace conversation. And that is nuanced um, in, in conversations, but there are denominations that are more, in my opinion, are, are more directed toward uh, the human action that humans must line up to and accomplish in order to be right with God versus God has done all the work and he is drawing people in, that God is drawing people in to that. And that becomes the, the law grace conversation uh, that's, that's big. So moving on to church, because we're yep. talking about church. And so all of this, this is where I put the conversation now about church, because all this other stuff really is, is the, the, the background. <laughs> but then the conversation about churches so we talk about there's the the how do they structure their leadership and there's basically there's basically two ways in all of the chaos that you can see there are two ways there's either apostolic succession that is you can trace a line of authority all the way from the apostles to generation to generation to generation that has been passed on through ordination. Mm -hmm. at, at a, yeah, ordination is the best word, even though it's a pretty religious term. But that line versus, again, not big C, but small C, charismatic. That is to say, leaders don't have to trace uh, authority through apostolic succession. They gain it directly from God through a charisma, which is a giftedness. Okay. And that is bigger than you realize. Oh, yeah. Because now we're talking about structure coming down. And then so some of that apostolic succession then has been, has been kind of like crystallized into a very clear denominational authority structure. Right. But I do believe, I personally believe you can have a, apostolic succession that is a an authority that comes by accepting the message generation to generation and not so much an a hands laid on authority of ordination but the passing on of the word of god from generation to generation that creates its own authority for leadership and i bet people have never even thought about that <laughs> but then you also have then this almost like miraculous visitation of of holy spirit power on a person that designates them as the leader right and i'm just saying that that is a big deal in choosing a church mm. which then leads us to um in america and in europe and therefore any churches that have been influenced by european or american churches you have, there are basically two huge broad categories of churches that are not either Eastern Orthodox or not Roman Catholic. Right. Because those do historically, 
go back to beginnings, and again, this is a way yeah, yeah. oversimplification. Which is okay for this. But in a sense, America is primarily a Western church-oriented mm-hmm. culture. You have two divergences from Roman Catholicism. You have either reform movements, which is what Lutheranism and Reformed Church, well, Lutheran, that's very much defined by the German monk, Martin Martin Luther, Luther. who then a movement started after him and then became named for him. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a strong uh, church group in America. And then there are variations of that. But that's a reform movement. And then, obviously, when you call a church reformed, it's obviously reformed. But the Presbyterian uh, reformed churches um, are coming from Calvin, John Calvin in Switzerland. But they are the English-speaking versions of that church movement. Okay. Because... The, you have the, the Scottish, the church in Scotland was highly influenced by John Calvin's teachings, which became the Reformed or Presbyterian. And then you come to America and you've got the Reformed. And so there's, and Reformed, and we're in Michigan. It is the, it is the seat of the reform, Reformed churches in Did America. That. Did not know that. Yes. I mean, as far as just publishing houses and universities, colleges and stuff like that. So why does this matter? Well, if it's a reform movement, then you are looking at, you are not skipping centuries of church history or church um, teachings that you say, well, this was wrong, this was right. Mm-hmm. It is, we're going to get back, we're, we are reforming the church as it's coming through the centuries and now, uh, you know, purifying it to a degree. Some more reform. Furbishing than tearing down and rebuilding. Yes, or ignoring, because then you have, in a general category, the Restoration Churches, oh. which is odd because the Christian churches are called Restoration Movement, but it is not the only Restoration Movement of course. in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Restoration means, oh, we need to, I mean, to use just really yep. descriptive Simpl- language, yep. We're going to just totally ignore and trash anything historical. Yeah. And restoration movement is we got to get past all of this error, human error and human tradition and go back to the very beginning, which typically then is one of two things. It either we go back to the original scriptures, even if we want to go back to the actual Greek documents, mm-hmm. or... Even not that, but that we are going to be a restoration movement that is attached to the Holy Spirit in the same way that the first century church was. Okay. And so that you then you have the in a general category charismatic churches. And again, I general category general yep. general lineage. And so I there's a distinction when you come to a church then because in a, in a church that is a reform movement church they are embracing the the orthodox the orthodox thread throughout that lineage right roman catholic to lutheran roman catholic to reformed but a restoration goes no we're going to totally ignore that 
we're going back to the beginning. Yeah, uh, I can see that being a big difference. Yes, it's a big difference. And again, uh, if you, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but I'm sure I'm right. <laughs> I've heard that phrase over and over again. That is not the first time I've ever heard there that. There probably are pastors of various churches on any side of these spectrums that we're talking about that would go, I don't know what we are. True, yeah. And you know what? Maybe that's not horrible, yeah. but it is significant in the long term. The long term experience that I have in the life of a congregation is going to eventually be affected by these views. Mm-hmm. Maybe not right off the bat, but it's going to be affected. Right. So that really kind of comes down to it. So um, kind of to wrap up this yep. podcast and jump right in, we have to talk about, so what's the common ground for Christian experience, for what we call church? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about, in another episode, we're going to talk about different like size of churches and yep, all those, yep. these presentations. But when we just talk about, so what is, what is genuine Christianity? That each of us will settle into a sense of what that looks like. Right. And that matters. And so, to, and again, when I say genuine Christianity, I'm judging anything that yes. I would not call genuine. Right. I mean, that is, every person has to decide what that means to yeah. them. But let me just, in the sense of culturally, and I don't say that to demean, but cultural Christianity in its best presentation in America Mm -hmm. is fundamentally, it's about following Jesus. Even if we define Jesus differently, it's about being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's about being called Christians. Okay. Everybody uses that, at least in a generic sense. So, that, again, that's a common thing. It is the place, the authority, the esteem of the New Testament writings. Okay. That's Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then two agreed upon practices of all churches is baptism. Sometimes not water baptism, but, right. but almost... Some type of baptism. Some type of baptism. And then the Lord's Supper or Communion as a worship practice at huh. some phase. That is, when you kind of come down, boil it down to what is distinctive about the church compared to other religious gatherings in America and in the world, it comes down to that. The place of the New Testament, well, that we follow Jesus, the place of the New Testament as the writings of Jesus or as the writings about Jesus, mm-hmm. and then baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the common ground. That everybody agrees on. So, encourage you to um, not be faint of heart, but to realize that there's a journey ahead. Yeah. And sometimes it maybe will give you a pause to go, eh, I think I'm going to stick with the family of Christianity that I am have been raised in or mm-hmm. am very familiar with. Or my, And again, it gets a little dicier when I go that my friend goes to because I trust my friend. Mm-hmm. But... I want people, we want people to be aware of the issues that are going to eventually pop up for you if you participate in a church long enough. Yeah. And it will, it will make a difference for your experience. Yeah. And again, anything that uh, this makes you think of in regards to the church you're in now or a church you've been to before, 
please drop us a line. Email us at nogod at tonykafka.com. Absolutely. We'd love to yep. hear from you. All right. And then next, not next week, but next podcast, we're going to be jumping into? Well, basically what I'm calling is the, the network that churches are in. Because this, again, is... Uh, is a, it's actually the, the first presentation that most people see if they're unfamiliar right. with the church. The style of church uh, and what are the influences on how I walk in the door and how it feels and how I engage in that church and what's in behind all of that. All right. So, yeah, check out next time for us to go through that. We'd love to hear from you with comments, questions, and your stories. Email us at nogod at tonykafka.com. You can find more resources on our Patreon page or on our website, tonykafka.com.